in life. To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of the women. That is good. That is good. erased. Welcome to 40 Going On 14, episode 165. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And I'm pleased to say we're finally doing it. The wait is over. We are talking about The Prisoner. (laughs) (laughs) And discuss whether he's a man or a number. The curious blue thing that floats out of the water to chase them. The Bells of St. Mary. The chessboard. (laughs) And that bike. <laughs> Way to rub it in, Josh. Way to make him feel terrible. How great would it be if we just said, I'll be back, and then we're just done? Dude, if this was anywhere near April, I would have loved to further troll by announcing this is the Conan show and actually doing the fucking prisoner. <laughs> that would be fantastic. But I do got to say, that was a hell of an intro. I yeah. love that. We already well did done. the Conan show. Nice surprise. Like that? Yeah. Yeah, well done. I don't say this enough, but. You do a good job with the editing and stuff. That was uh, that was impressive. I like that. Thank you. But yes, got me pumped up. Good. I want to skip the tweet. Let's just get to Arnold. <laughs> if you'd like to get pumped up, you know where you can go. You can check out Straight the podcast collective. No. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> At the podcast collective, which is not in the show notes again. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, there's a whole lot of uh, shows in there, like uh, the Dog Induced Show, Bad Parenting Podcast, On the Block, No Hope for Humanity, The Coffin Joe Cast, The Sunshine Happy Pants Hour, which is my show, Forty Going on Fourteen, which is us, Dating Baggage, The Internet with Scott the Poolman, I Am Salt Lake, Mint in Box Cast, Tales from the Hard Side, as Pat mentioned, The Dog Induced Show, Empty Rant Podcast, and The Rad Dad Radio Hour. It makes me feel kind of bad. It's like living next to somebody for 10 years and not knowing their name. Oh, I do that all the time. Don't feel so bad. Who is that? Yeah, I, I don't know any of my neighbors. I don't even know. That's Baldy. That's shits in my yard. That's guy who That's always backs in into toilet. his driveway. <laughs> That's fuckhead who parks his car in the street for some reason, even though he's got an 80-foot driveway. That's Hummer. That's Hummer 3. Where That's Hummer do you live? Passive-aggressive notes on my car every time I park too close to his house. <laughs> if you'd like to find out about Joel's Hummers, <laughs> you can listen to our other shows on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe. Listen to us at noon on Geek Life Radio on Saturdays. Or dial up 1-8-708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Hummers. <laughs> and of course, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at 40go14 or shoot us an email at 40go14 at gmail.com. Right, and this week we have voicemails. Voice 
Now, we have not vetted these. No, I have no idea. I haven't even listened to these. We have no idea where this is going to go. So, well, this has never ended badly. So Yeah, of good. course not. No, it's never gone to hell. All right, let's see. Voicemail number one. Hey, guys. Faithful listener Karen here. I've been catching up on the Octobu episodes. I know it's November now, but I just finished the Blair Witch episode, and I wanted to call and leave you guys a message that was uh, the original is one of my favorite horror movies, still is yes. to this day. Um, I probably watch it at least twice a year just because I think it still has uh, all the all the great elements of a scary movie without it even really being a horror movie. Uh, I liked the remake. I didn't love it. Um, the ending, I had a lot of issues with it. I'm kind of surprised that you guys didn't really address sort of a time warp issue in the end with it being... Um, uh, his friend in the image, which was the image, which was the one that he thought was Heather and why they went there in the first place. So I thought that circular time thing was a big negative for the remake. Might have enjoyed it more uh, if they hadn't gone that route. Uh, I am a little surprised you guys didn't mention the Blair Witch games. Um, the Rustin Parr PC game, the Ali Kedward PC game, they were really cool. They were... Um, you know, scary games, and uh, that's not something I feel like we get enough of. Uh, Silent Hill, which notwithstanding, but even your Resident Evil games can get a little bit more sci-fi than horror. So those PC games were awesome. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think uh, they work on modern PCs anymore. I tried to install the Rust and Par game like a year ago. Didn't work, no such luck, but if you ever find an emulator or something, check them out, because they're awesome. Anyway, hope you guys uh, have a good recording tonight. You'll probably have another voicemail from me, because I'm going to watch or listen to the Poltergeist episode. Just finally saw the new one last week, so uh, I can't wait to see what you guys think. Bye. Wow. Thank you, Karen. I really like that woman. Yeah, it was nice to that us. was uh, a detail about the like circular time thing that completely escaped me. And while it took something away from the movie for you, uh, I actually kind of liked the the fact they were playing with time a little bit. Um, it was kind of I mean, it was creepy, but they didn't really wrap it up very well. She is right about that. Yeah, we actually touched on it and meant to go back and never really did because we brought it up. At one point, or Joel brought it up, and, and Josh, you said, oh, hold on, you know, you're skipping ahead, we're going to get to that, and we never got back to it. Because it, like it was a time loop. And yeah. as for the gaming thing, uh, Josh is our big PC gamer, and unfortunately he doesn't play those games. He only plays uh, hentai dating sims. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> it is so, true. My we, Steam account is only about play. half hentai dating sims. Sometimes he plays upskirt games, too. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? But no, I actually never heard of those PC games, which is weird because that's pretty much what I do when I'm not podcasting or working. Okay. So right. let's see if uh, voicemail number two is Karen again. Beep. Hey guys, listener here. Uh, got through a couple episodes so far. I figured since I didn't have a whole lot to say about either one, I'd throw them together. Uh, the Pokemon episode, the one that I've been waiting the longest to hear, I guess not necessarily waiting to, but the only thing about that episode that really caught my attention, made me turtle, was when Mike said, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this. And I, I, I laughed. I thought it was funny. I got the reference. So, uh, 
There's the Pokemon episode. Now, as for the uh, Ghostbusters episode, you guys can't really picture uh, John Candy as uh, Tully. Well, um, what about John Candy from uh, Vacation? And I'm pulling up the drive-thru, so I gotta go. Goodbye. Butt to the front. Wait, did he just get arrested? I know. I think he he pulled up to the drive-thru and had to order. (laughs) He's headed to court. Uh, John Candy. Yeah, actually, John Candy uh, in that role, I could kind of see it. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just think the, I don't know. I think just the cast was too perfect. I mean, John Candy does do a lot of great slapstick. I mean, you think about the stuff. Did. Did, yeah. Thanks. Now I'm depressed. Um, I just, I don't know. I think I'm, my mind is so set with the cast as the way it is that I can't, my head won't break from it. Yeah, and who knows how much longer it would have taken for Rick Moranis to become Rick Moranis if he hadn't been Lewis Tully. True. It's kind of like seeing those those shots of Eric Stoltz in Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah. that still wigs me out. Yeah. Would have been a totally different movie. Nice. All right. So that is the voicemails for right now. Yeah, we have uh we have a couple more uh in the queue, but as this is our first time doing a show in two parts in this particular format with the then being this whole episode, uh we're going to save the rest of the voicemails for the now. Right. We'll let them back up, percolate and cook slowly. Mm, roasting in its own juices. Hey. Ew. It's about it's about that time. Definitely. Time for the percolator. <laughs> What did you say? Sports to the, to the chopper. Yeah, I think that's what he said. Get sports to the chopper. I don't know, Pat. I did, oh, Jesus Christ. Calm down, Fretzy. All right. So this week, the year is 1970, the release of Hercules in New York, starring Arnold Strong. <laughs> That just cracks me up seeing that. It's a lot easier to say than Schwarzenegger. Anyway, Sly and the Family. Oh, music. <laughs> Sly and the Family Stones. Thank you. What does that say? <laughs> Fall to- the, so- the song. The song is "Thank You for Letting Me Be Myself Again," but it got misheard as "For Letting Me Be Myself Again," and so that's how they just put it on the title. <laughs> I was like, "What the hell is that?" Filating me. Filating like by mice self. again. Yeah. It's the mic spelling. <laughs> it's the number one song in the land is thank you by Simon Sam family stone on February 21st. The Jackson five make their television debut on American bandstand. What did they That sing? is a classic video? Yep. What they did uh, ABC, right? Was that it? I'm pretty sure you're correct. Yeah. I can't imagine they wouldn't. Yeah. Not well, not I think them, it was anyway. ABC and I want you back. The two songs they did. Great stuff, man. Yeah. I love the Jackson five. On February 26th, Hey Jude was released. It was originally titled The Beatles Again, and is a collection of non-album singles and b-sides by The Beatles, including tracks like Paperback Writer, Lady Madonna, Revolution, Hey Jude, and The Ballad of John and Yoko, and, is that the acronym of the week? Yeah, I had to add that in. CBML. Oh, that's, of course, the classic. Chuck's balls make lotion. (laughs) Wow. Oh. Go Chuck. Uh, that, that's not lotion, Josh. <laughs> it puts a lotion yeah. on the skin. I didn't record the song. I'm <laughs> um, speaking of. Uh, you were close. That's Can't Buy Me Love. Oh, yeah. Fun little factoid. 
our uh, mutual friend, Mr. Matt Brown, his favorite uh, Beatles song is Paperback Writer. So good to know. Fun little pop-up video. Factoid. All right. <laughs> L.I.E., The Love and Terror Cult, was released on March 1st, the debut album by American murder conspirator Charles Manson. It was released on vinyl on March 6, 1970, by Phil Kaufman, a member of the Manson family through a record label named Awareness Records. Although not a commercial success, it retains a following among those interested in the Manson case, inspiring many cover versions and samples. The cover is a parody of the December 19, 1969 Life magazine cover, which featured Manson along with the headline, The Love and Terror Cult. The two covers are identical. However, the F in Life has been deleted and the line, The Dark Edge of Hippie Life, has been removed. The date and price were replaced with the Awareness Records logo. And if you guys ever heard his music, just throwing that out there. No, no, I haven't heard anything from that album. Is that I haven't heard any of it either. Uh, imagine a very folky, kind of poppy sound, like acoustic-y, folky sort of thing. And that's kind of what you get. It's not at all what you would expect. Like a mama's and the papa's kind of sound? Yeah, kind of. Maybe not like- with as many... Papa or mamas or papas. But. Well, yeah, obviously, but I'm just saying like that kind of vibe and rhythm. Yeah, it's very kind of he, of he. the time for sure. But it, yeah, you you look at him then and and now, and you just, I mean, you listen to it, and you're like, huh. He actually did an extended cut of Alice's Restaurant on that album. It's three and a half hours long. <laughs> that's lots all. of extra cutting. Yeah, that's all. Oh, jeez. Oh wow. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. <laughs> that's gonna send him right to court. <laughs> I think we better move on to yes. movies. <laughs> uh, first up, Airport is the number one movie in the land, and the only movie released in all of February is Al Hazard Balthazar. And it was it only grossed like thirty thousand, so I didn't bother even looking up anything about it. Uh, I can't imagine why. Honey, let's go see Al Hazard Balthazar. <laughs> <laughs> Al Hazard. And she said, "I'd rather go to court." <laughs> Let's go see Airport again. And don't call me Shirley. Uh, <laughs> what? 1966 French film directed by Robert Bresson. This thoughtful and unique French film reveals a surprisingly deep connection between Marie and Wazemski and a sensitive, far- <laughs> a sensitive farm girl and her cherished donkey, Balthazar. <laughs> He's not joking. That's what it's really about. Marie and what was the name of the other person? Well, it wasn't a person, it was a donkey, Balthazar. Balthazar is a donkey. No, you said Marie and then another name, or was that her last name? No, the, oh, the actress. There was, uh, Marie, who's played by Anne Wazemski. Wazemski? Yeah. That's a good French name. Yeah. Yeah. Balthazar the Zonkey. So it was basically a sad French Mr. Ed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Wilbur. I saw this movie in Tijuana. All right. Also, on February 28th, Daniel Handler is born, an American writer better known as Lemony Snicket. Ooh, neat. That's uh, yeah, coming out as a... We're making uh, that again. Yeah. Is it Netflix or is it um, Amazon that's doing it? I think it's Netflix. Oh. Well, they got a corner on the market. Good for them. Now for TV. Nisi Nisi Nash? Mm-hmm. Nisi Nash, comedic actress known for Reno 911 and Clean House, was born on February 23rd. She's pretty funny, but she does like you know, little bit parts and stuff. Okay. Uh, she was great in Reno 911. <clears throat> yeah, I'm trying to figure out. Oh, okay. I know who she is now that I look her up. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Ward was born on February 24th and went on to play the young Doug in Charles in Charge, plus a role in Mac and Me <laughs> and a voice <laughs> acting role in Ferngully. 
Oh, Mac and me. I want Charles in charge of me. <laughs> you know, oh, his balls Williams. make lotion. <laughs> <laughs> Jerkins. I'll make that joke again, because it's funny. Oh, man. And in the world of sports. 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 On February 20th, Brian Robinson, former NFL defensive end for the Rams and Bears, and Jeffrey William Robinson, a former NFL defensive end who last played as a long snapper for the Seattle Seahawks, were both born. Are they related? No. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Well, no, I'm not 100%, but I mean, I think it might have come up in reading anything about either one of them. Oh, good point. (laughs) Michael Jonathan Slats Slater is an Australian television presenter and former professional cricketer who played in 74 tests and 42 ODIs. Spoiler alert, we're going to find out what an ODI finally is. Who? Yeah. For the Australian cricket team in the 90s, a specialist right-handed batsman, as well as a very occasional bowler, Slater was known for his swashbuckling style of play and front foot pulls. Slater (laughs) scored 5,312 runs and 14 centuries at an average of 42 in test cricket. However, he was less successful in his one-day international career, averaging a lowly 24.07. So ODI is one-day international. Hmm. Yes. And Garfield's nemesis. I have no idea what any of that meant. I'm imagining the swashbuckling style of play, meaning that he batted while swinging from a chandelier. Maybe he (laughs) batted with a sword, and that's why he did so bad in the one-day internationals. He had a bandana on, and he always holstered his bat. Nice. Uh, Maybe he had an eye patch. And he didn't have any depth perception. Solid. (laughs) (laughs) At the 12th Daytona 500, Pete Hamilton wins with an average speed of 149.6 miles per hour on March 28th. For February 28th, sorry. That's crazy. Yeah, Yeah, 149.6 is kind of fast. Which style of racing is Daytona again? Uh, Daytona is uh, is stock, stock cars. Oh, okay. Wilson Alvarez, pitcher for the Chicago White Sox, was born on February 24th in Maracaibo, Venezuela. Where's the death? I know. Oh, wow, yeah, nobody died. A lot of birth, but no death. Right? I wanted to see if you guys caught that, too. Yeah. I'm going back through looking just to make sure I didn't miss it. No, w- it's like, like <clears throat> last week was one for every for every category. This one was none for every category. Huh. And somebody died. That and there could dead. have been, because there is someone in this tweet that died. But well, didn't include it. I was expecting it to be Jonathan Ward. <laughs> nope, he is alive and doing something. I'm sure. <laughs> doing things. Is I'm it guessing. Balthazar the donkey? Yeah, I'm guessing he's <laughs> dead. That's what I was just going to say, Josh. I'm guessing he's probably long gone. All right, made of an ass of himself, and no, it was Brian Robinson, one of the former NFL guys. <laughs> oh, uh, I was going to say no trick question. It was all of Manson's victims. Oh. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> We got him by proxy. <laughs> Josh just cuts to the chase. Oh, I think it's about time to move on to the main show after that shit. <laughs> Let's do that. Chalk up some more for God. <laughs> All right. So after a long time, we have been uh, asked a couple times if we can do a show on Schwarzenegger. So th- you are actually getting the then show, and next week will be the now show. And aren't there some Schwarzenegger relevant dates like right now and next week? I, I thought sometime in the past. Uh, this would be an anniversary. I want to say the November's was the anniversary of him becoming uh, the governor. Oh, okay. I think that's that's what the uh, the time our time uh, span was. So there you go. 
So yeah, this is an episode that has been a long time coming. We've been promising certain listeners and promising me, myself, because anybody that knows me and that has listened to this show and heard us talk about Arnold or anything Arnold-related, um, he is one of my personal favorites. Um, I like him very much as a person, as an actor. And, and he's the reason Patrick looks like he lifts weights, but only with his right arm. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the big uh, action stars, I I, th- I know Pat's got this special connection, but I'm pretty sure uh, running down the list, Schwarzenegger's got to be my favorite too. Yeah, I would I would have to say, given given the action stars that are, you know, if you go all the way back to when I was a kid, I think Schwarzenegger's it's up there. I mean, you could pretty much run down the cast of The Expendables, and like you've got the whole checklist, and I can't think of anybody in The Expendables. Any of the movies who I like better than Arnie. I mean, he pretty much is the king of the mountain as far as action movie. I mean, I don't quite see him in the same perspective that you guys do, but I will never shy away from putting in one of his films or watching one of them when they come out. Uh, he's not like a draw for me to go, but I, I always enjoy him and I always like, you know, the, the stuff he puts out. And especially um, since he came back to acting, which we'll get to in the now, but... I uh, I almost think he's even improved in some ways. I mean, there, if if one thing you you cannot deny is he knows how to entertain. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've always wanted to see an action flick with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sigourney Weaver, like the king and queen of action flicks. You know, I'd yeah, watch it. Cool. Yeah. All right, so <clears throat> excuse or me. Arnold in space. Well, yeah. it, it, or, Alien versus Predator is already a thing, so you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, there is. There you go. There's a bridge. Hollywood, nice. get on that if you're listening. Maybe. <laughs> Weren't they talking about uh, Sigourney for an Expendables 4? That would be awesome. I, I could have sworn, maybe that's something that I just completely made up, but I, I had a vague recollection that they were talking about bringing in some of the action film, like uh, big women of action films uh, in for the next one. Oh, well, that'd like be awesome. You make things up if you're making that up. If they did like a like a point-counterpoint, like the Expendables are like, you know, this testosterone-fueled group of guys, and then like they meet up. And there's another group, and it's all, like, these really badass women that are also, like, the same contract or something. And Yeah, I don't know hmm, what the concept awesome. was, aside from uh, she was rumored to be the first one to be attached. Helen Mirren would have to lead them. Nice. I would watch the hell out of that shit. <laughs> Looks like the fourth one is going to have Jack Nicholson rumored as the villain, and uh, Hulk Hogan is going to join up on them. <laughs> I would watch the hell out of that shit, too. I mean, hell, they've be got... Their nanny. Yeah, I mean they cram Kelsey Grammer in there, so what the hell? Right. <laughs> anyway, okay, off after that, like Adrian Brody's an action star now, so anybody can do it. I guess. Hey, after Wait. watching this, it's always sunny episode where they mocked uh, Die Hard and Danny DeVito was in the vent. I would see Danny DeVito in, in Expendables Four. <laughs> Danny DeVito, I would see Danny DeVito in anything. Let me let me toss this one out there from this last weekend. I don't know if if, if you the listeners obviously won't know about this. Pat and I were in New Orleans together this last weekend. My boss told me I look like a young blue Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, which was weird. Blue? Because like, he was trying to say he's like he lo- he, he looks like one of the X Men, and I was just throwing out the goofiest names I could come up with, and one of them was Beast, and he's like, yeah, him. I'm like. You think you think I look like a blue Kelsey Grammer? <laughs> it was just. Uh, it was really. Confusing. I thought you were talking about Mike, and I was really confused. Now, it yeah, no, yeah, no, they weren't. They were me. talking about me. They were talking oh, about me, which made it even thought, stranger. Yeah, I always thought of Mike more of like as a Paul Reiser than a a Kelsey Grammer. 
Paul. It, it was like if Paul Reiser and Beekman had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll take it and smile. There you go. <laughs> That's what she said. Uh, so anyway, a little bit about old Arnie. So Schwarzenegger served in the Austrian army in 1965, back when they had a uh, all 18-year-old males had to fulfill one year of service. Uh, in the Army, he won the Junior Mr. Europe contest and then decided that he was going to go AWOL during basic training so he could take <laughs> part in the competition and spent a week in prison. So wow. uh, he was quoted as saying that participating in the competition meant so much to me that I didn't carefully think through the con- consequences. So. And that's kind of one of the one of the um, overriding themes of Arnold's life is he has such a laser focus on his goals that everything else falls to the wayside once he deser- determines something. Like, if he has a competition coming up, and he only talks about this in the movie Pumping Iron, we'll get to it later, but if he has a competition coming up, it doesn't matter what it is that comes up. He's just, all he does is, is just focus on that and prepare for that, and that's just, nothing else matters to him. Yeah. So he decides he wants something, goes after it, and doesn't think it all the way through, and there are consequences. Yep. Why you and I like him so much is starting to come into focus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, the consequences. I'm going forward with this. With this, <laughs> they've asked me three times. I'm on. <laughs> uh, so uh, he the began. Sign tells me I have to try it, so I got to try it. <laughs> he began weight training at the age. Maybe that's the thing. Is your main focus is trying the new ribs, and he <laughs> was getting the Mister Universe title. <laughs> <laughs> so, which of course he won at age 20 and went on to win Mister Olympia contest seven times. Uh, he had uh, started. Weight training when he was 15. He's remained a prominent presence in bodybuilding, written many books, articles on the sport, and he's widely considered to be the greatest bodybuilders of all time, as well as bodybuilding's biggest icon. And he's kind of hip and with it, because if you're on Reddit on our fitness or on uh, bodybuilding, he jumps in every now and then and does commentary, or he'll put in like, hey, these are the workouts that I'm doing now type of thing, or answer people's questions and stuff. Yeah, and a couple yeah. times like people have posted about how like they're not having breakthroughs or whatever, or, or, you know, they're getting depressed about different things, and he's just, you know, come in. <clears throat> not, no, nobody's even addressing him. He just come in and said a couple, you know, words of encouragement here and there, and, you know, I mean, he's very active on Reddit. That's oh, yeah. really he awesome. Was, he was part of the Secret Santa exchange at least one year. Yeah. Wow. How, how cool would that be? Like, you get your package, you open it up, it's a bunch of signed Arnold shit. <laughs> yeah, whoever got it, uh, him as their Secret Santa, they, they posted what he sent, and it was pretty badass. Yeah. Nice. So uh, he had dreamed of moving to the United States since uh, age 10 and saw bodybuilding as the avenue on how to get here. Uh, in September of 68, at the age of 21, speaking very little English, he trained at Gold's Gym in Venice, Los Angeles, California, under Joe Weider, who is really uh, probably a lot of the reason why he's so great as he is. For those of you that don't know out there, if you're listening, uh, Joe Weider is pretty much like, you know, the... Other, you know, after Charles Atlas, he is uh, became the next icon in bodybuilding. Like he is the guy that trained all the 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 huge name bodybuilders you're ever going to hear about. He's he you know he is he is the godfather of Charles Atlas is the father of bodybuilding, and Joe Weider would be the godfather. And he grows a hell of a mustache. Oh yeah, <laughs> and looked pretty damn good until the end. Yep. So, uh, ranked number 20 in Empire, the UK Empire Magazine as a top 100 movie stars of all time. Uh, and the Guinness Book of World Records calls him the most perfectly developed man in the history of the world. 
And if you doubt that, go watch Pumping Iron. I was yeah. just going to yeah. say. <clears throat> so a little trivia here. He became a U.S. citizen in 1983. Uh, also graduated from the University of Wisconsin with a major in international marketing of fitness and business administration. So hmm. kind of makes sense where, you know, after that. <laughs> right. You know, put that to good use. Uh, <clears throat> his childhood friends often stated that his life goals were to move to America, become an actor, and marry a Kennedy. He did all three. <laughs> he did, well, he succeeded. Yeah, seriously. Wow. It's, like, it's amazing as much of a Republican he, as he is that he married into the Kennedy family. Well, I mean, out of the three of them, it's like, go move to America? Okay. Become an actor? Sure. Marry Kennedy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that one. Yeah. <laughs> Back and to the left. <laughs> well, uh, James Cameron originally wanted him for the role of Kyle Reese in The Terminator in 84, but after reading the script, Arnold asked Cameron to let him play the part of the machine. Cameron replied, no, Reese is a star, he's the hero, and The Terminator doesn't have any lines. But Arnold asked him, trust me. <laughs> it's better be I don't for, talk. <laughs> I'll be back for at least four movies. And what a That's great decision five. that was, too. I know, right? No kidding. That 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 character is iconic, yeah. to say the least. But we'll get to that again, as we said. We will. Soon. So, yeah, here we go with the Arnold Show. All right. So, the Hercules in New York, 1970, where he played Hercules. Joel and Pat, go for it. This is a um, a, a modern version, at least for the, you know, it, it wasn't a period piece. It was filmed in the 70s and set in the 70s. But the Greek gods um, are, re- are real. And Hercu- it, the movie opens with Hercules arguing with Zeus, saying, you know, he's bored of being on Mount Olympus and seeing the same people doing the same stuff. He wants to go down to Earth. And Zeus denies him, but he goes anyway. And so that's one of the themes of the whole movie is Zeus is trying to get Hercules to come back to Mount Olympus. And Hercules is like, I will, but just not now. I want to have fun. And um, the campiness is very, very high in this movie. <laughs> very high. Um, there's there's not a lot of really good acting by anybody. Everything is over the top. The comedic bits are played like it's it's almost like if if um if you gave the script to a mad 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 world to a twelve year old and said rewrite this. <laughs> oh come on, Pat! It's not that bad. I mean, it's you know, yeah, like, come on, one, Hank. There's a big chase scene that, that is thrown in there for uh, oh my gosh. whatever reasons and. Part of the chase is a guy that was buying a hot dog, and he asked for sauerkraut, and the chase started. And the entire chase, the hot dog vendor is chasing him with a tong full of sauerkraut until the chase is done, and he finally puts the sauerkraut on. The <laughs> You're hot talking dog. about the bit with the the chariot, yeah, yeah. And then, the, I mean, there's all kinds of scenes that are thrown in just because somebody was like, "Oh, we should have a scene where we show how strong he is." Okay, well. Let's just have a scene where he's walking across, and there's a forklift, and he just grabs the forklift and asks where the horses are, and the guy shouts at him, and he just lets it go. Okay, well, it's that's a, a nice scene. Chariot. That's how that movie is. It's it's like a series of really bad vignettes with a topical god theme strewn throughout. Let's have him lift up a car and turn it over. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's just a it's a goofy movie that that has like it's it's got a poor. Plot and bad acting, and her, his, his. There are two versions of it out there. When he, when it was first released, um, they had dubbed over Arnold's lines with a British guy. So, like, and people, you know, nobody had any idea what he sounded like, you know, after this movie. And then after he got popular, they they released the version of him just speaking like himself. I, and if you I, watch the movie, the very very end of it, 
there's a voice that comes through the radio that they didn't dub back over. They didn't have Arnold read those lines because he never read them in the first place. So in the version that's available now, you can hear what the British guy sounded like through the radio. Well, um, I actually watched the version that was dubbed. Oh, you did? <laughs> I did. Oh, I watched nice. the, I guess the Blu-ray, uh, cause it was a, the Blu-ray copy of it. I guess the Blu-ray must have both versions because it, it, it I, the whole thing, I thought that was the way it was supposed to be. And I was like, man, I wonder if there's a version with him is actually speaking. Yeah. I guess there is. Yeah, like it, I said, after he got popular, they, they decided to drop the dubbing. So <laughs> it, it was very disconcerting. And what was funny was throughout the whole movie, he's, you know, he's got this real kind of high pitched kind of, I don't know, that's not high pitched, but he's got this weird <laughs> kind of high pitched voice. And you know, I mean, if you know him now, it's really off putting, but there's one scene towards the end where he's being kind of, I think it was where he was being like held back by a bunch of guys. I don't know if it's the gangsters or what, but, um, and he's trying to get free of them. And at that one moment, you hear him in the Arnold voice go, Ugh! like he's, you know, you know, that noise he makes. Right, the exertion. Yeah. Right. And it's, they didn't dub that one particular line, <laughs> so I guess. Sticks out like... <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's like, Arnold's really, you know, all of a sudden, like, this, this, is, this is how weirdly this movie is written. At one point, um, he's been punished and he's, he's mortal. And he, and all these, uh, mafiosos are trying to attack him at once and he's getting his butt kicked and everything. And some of the gods decide to send help. And so, remember, this is Greek mythology, but for some reason, the two people that they send are Apollo and Samson. What? Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, let's, let's, let's go back and discuss that a little bit further with, uh, Zeus and the, uh, the very lovely, uh, closed gated garden <laughs> and his, his lightning bolts made of rebar. rebar. <laughs> wow. Unpainted. Untainted. <laughs> Just a long, rebar. long piece of rebar twisted into a lightning shape. That's what Zeus has. That he keeps using over and over and over. Well, and, and instead of, like, this whole movie is it is all about how much money can we save by doing the least amount of special effects we have to. Like, there was a move, there was a point in the movie where Arnold comes across a bunch of college kids practicing for their decathlon. Oh, <laughs> Hercules just you know soundly thrashes all of them in their little whatevers. But the best part of the whole thing was they're like, "What about so and so in the long jump?" And they cut oh. to this guy literally just running across the outfield of a baseball field and just suddenly, just randomly at one point, just jumping across the field only like six feet at most. <laughs> and he's just like, "Ha, huh, yeah, beat that!" <laughs> and, then, and then they cut to like. Arnold running and getting ready to jump, and as soon as he's about to jump, they cut to the audience who's watching, and they're just like, "Oh!" And then suddenly they cut to Arnold's feet, as you can see, he just is just jumping down onto the ground. Yes, hey, there's no there's no footage of him. It's actually a classic move. Air. You how can you deny that? That's yeah, like that's a world record right there. All right, so 1970. So this, this movie, this movie was the only movie before this podcast of Arnold's from is from the then that I had not seen. Wow. So I decided I had to watch it for this, and I know now why I hadn't seen it. That's crazy. Well, and and your glowing uh, recommendation caused me to watch it last night. <laughs> I mean, this is this is right up your alley. You should have enjoyed at least you know the. Oh, I had fun with it. Yeah. I definitely had fun with it. All right. So after that, he was in the Long Goodbye, nineteen seventy three. No, none of us have seen it, but he was uncredited and played a deaf mute. Yeah, I'm not even familiar with that. They probably were like, hey, what about that guy from Hercules in New York? Yeah, but make him play the deaf mute guy. I don't think we want him right. talking. <laughs> like, we, 
need a real good looking big guy. Get that guy, but yeah. Don't, don't let him talk. talk. Trust me. <laughs> so a 74, happy anniversary and goodbye. 76, he played a guy called Joe Santo in Stay Hungry. Pat's the only one that's seen that. Yeah, it's it's a nothing movie, really, honestly. <laughs> okay. Then we'll jump to the big one. 1977, Pumping Iron, where he played himself. And this is the movie where he kind of gained national recognition um, beyond just like the, the sporting and fitness community. He was hugely known by this point by most, by a lot of people. I mean, just for being the first ever seven time Olympian, you know, Mr. Olympia, and just, you know, being the iconic bodybuilder. And he's the guy that brought bodybuilding kind of to the forefront of being, you know, socially acceptable, I guess, you know, and being kind of popular. And this movie got released and it was just him being himself. And there was also just kind of a little mini documentary on the 1977 uh, Mr. Olympia competition. And it's, I mean, you could ask, well, Joel, you want to talk about it a little bit? I, well, to backtrack for one second, I forgot to mention in uh, Hercules in New York, it also starred James Karen, who we oh, talked about. Oh, that's right. I forget to mention that too. I meant to, yeah. We mentioned on a previous episode of 40 Going On 14, who yeah, one I. Of one mentioned. of our favorite character actors. Right. From uh, Return of the Living Dead and then some other stuff we talked about. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't, you, when you mentioned that it was, you know, if you're into bodybuilding, it's interesting documentary. I just wanted to see kind of Arnold as he was at that time period, which is the reason I watched it. I thought it'd be interesting to kind of get that perspective. And it's actually a, a quite a well done documentary. It's, it's definitely dated and it's interesting to see Lou Frigno, who is kind of one of the other people they, they talk about talk you know he how he idolized arnold and that's kind of why he got into bodybuilding the way he did and if and there were if there was like a bodybuilding mount rushmore those two would be on it right and they end up competing and it's uh it, it's just interesting to kind of see their interplay because in some regards arnold was really kind of a dick but at the same time i think he generally by the end of it was friends with him and um I, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it and, and seeing him at that time period, I mean, you could tell he was a young, you know, he was kind of full of himself because he'd won so many titles up to that point. And, um, you could see how passionate he was about the sport. And it, it a lot of people see it, you know, it's these big muscle bound guys posing on stage and people are like, yay. But it's, it really takes a lot of freaking commitment. And, uh, it was crazy. Yeah, I mean, the you know the the six packs of muscles that these guys have, you can't have more than like a quarter inch of body fat for that to show through. So these guys, I mean, like you said, it's a serious commitment to do it. I mean, I have no desire to <laughs> to work out that hard or to look that shredded at all. But I mean, I do respect the amount of work and commitment that takes. You can watch it; it's streaming on Netflix, and uh, don't confuse it with the porn around that was made at the same time called Pumping Irene. <laughs> that's not it. Yeah, I mean, it's a really well done documentary. There's actually a couple points in there where, I mean, like the when when the uh, the one guy the one guy doesn't finish in the top three, you know, and there's just a really poignant scene where they're behind the you know the scenes of the competition with him, and he's just you know just the look on his face as he's hearing his friend win. It's a, I mean, it's a it's a good documentary, and it's like you said, it's a really good insight into Arnold as a young man and what drives him and what drove him and you know how competitive he was. And how he likes to talk about everything being like coming. Yeah, everything is like an orgasm to Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, wouldn't you want to live in this life where you, that's every day you're coming I, all the I, time? I, I, you know, when I'm on stage, it's like I'm, I am orgasming when I'm, you know, you know, when I'm working out. It's like I'm orgasming when I'm with having sex. I'm no, orgasming. He says coming. It's like I'm orgasming, I'm coming all the time. 
<laughs> I hope I'm he like, wipes dude, off the bench afterwards. Like, Who would not like this life? I come all the time. <laughs> what, what was that? I don't know what that accent turned into. I turned into like an old Jewishman. I come all the time. Oh, 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 oh. It's all right. All right. So after that, he does the villain where he plays Handsome Stranger. <laughs> In a very small baby blue Western style shirt and a, a 10 gallon hat. Yeah, this was a strange movie. This is like, uh, it was also starring Anne Margaret and, um, and Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell. Douglas. Kurt Douglas. And it's like, it's like a Wile E. Coyote Roadrunner movie brought to life. Um, Handsome Stranger is the character that Arnold plays, and he's the sheriff trying to protect Anne Margaret's character. And Kirk it's Douglas just really, the villain, I mean, it's the, it's the bad kind of campy, <laughs> where it's just not really enjoyable because it's just so bad. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just it, it tr- it's a it's a comedy that tries too hard. The slapstick isn't natural or good, and you know, and you can tell that like Arnold isn't really into it because he knows. I mean. This is okay. Just a step step back and a side thing. A thing about Arnold that a lot of people have, have it took a long time for a lot of people to understand. But he's a very intelligent guy, and like you could tell in his in his eyes during this movie, he's like, "This is a steaming pile of crap, and I know it, <laughs> but I got to do this if I want to, you know, move forward in what I want." This is like one of those Elvis type movies where it's just a, a contract movie. You're just, but you're just filling a movie. In. If you're a fan of Arnold, though, you need to see it just for the sake of. Of checking it off your list. Yeah, it's a fun movie, but it's dumb. I was looking at the cast, and I love that Foster Brooks uh, of our uh, roasts episode is is a bit part in this. Yeah, hmm. I mean it's 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 got a lot. I mean it's got some humor in it. It's got some situational stuff, you know. But I mean for the most part, it's just really over the top slapstick. That's just not that funny. All right. Yeah. So speaking Would you of agree, Joel, I can care. Over the top slapstick. Uh, after this, in '79, he plays Lars in Scavenger Hunt. I am the only person that has seen this, and I, yeah, have I seen, don't think I've ever seen that. I'm not familiar with that one. I have seen this multiple times. This falls into the Zorro the Gay Blade category with my family. Oh man, <laughs> it's a it's an ensemble cast flick with Richard Benjamin, James Coco, Scatman Crothers, Cloris Leachman, Cleavon Little, among others, including. So is this Ar- like a Rat Race movie? Kind of. It's the precursor to Rat Race. You know what? I may have seen this then. It's Dirk one. Benedict, Willie A. Was, was Arnold part of a duo of bodybuilders? Yeah, and he throws um, Tony Randall out a window. Yeah, I've seen this. Okay, I yeah. saw. Yeah, I I forgot all about it, I, but I have seen this movie. All yeah. Right. Um, terrible movie. <laughs> Arnold's section is literally just uh, they need a medicine ball for the scavenger hunt, and Schwarzenegger throws it to Tony Randall and knocks him out a window. <laughs> there you go. That's yeah, it. That's why I forgot that that was Arnold's because it was just such a quick little cameo thing. Yeah. A, a cameo from a non-star at the time. All right. So after that, he plays in The Comeback, which none of us have seen. But it's like you're coming all the time. <laughs> <laughs> 1982. All of us have seen this because our very first show was Conan the Barbarian. Oh, yeah. Episode yeah. one, three, three years ago now. Jesus. About a rigid snake. More than three years now. Yeah. yeah. So, Conan the Barbarian. Uh, should uh, three of us go before Pat's because we let him have some time to get some air in <laughs> well, his lungs? if you really want our, our extended views on this, just watch – or just watch. Just what? listen to the show number one. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. used to be a video podcast. That's not true. <laughs> but we can, yeah, briefly talk about it real quick. Uh, Just great movie. 
a lot of fun. Schwarzenegger does his great, uh, I'm getting into shape by walking in a circle. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Yeah. Walking in a circle for 15 years will apparently work your top too. So, uh, yeah. You, you wouldn't believe the kind of definition you can get by just walking in a circle and pushing a stick. All right. So, I smell workout program. <laughs> oh, wait. I'm having a stroke. <laughs> Joel's pushing the <laughs> stick. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, after that, he does Conan the Destroyer, playing opposite wait, Grace wait, anybody, Jones. Anybody have any, any oh, comments sorry. on I'm The sorry. Barbarian before we move I, on? I mean, we talked about it for an hour and a half, three years yeah. ago. I, I think I said what I needed to say about it. Yeah, it's such a great, fun, just goristic, awesome, fun. Oh, great, yeah. Fun it's movie. Frank Frenzetta come to life. Yep. Yeah. And then it's followed up by Conan the Destroyer, which is not quite as fun, but still, still fun. Oh yeah, yeah. Kinda, I mean, you've got yeah. some interesting casting. You got Grace Jones, Wilt Chamberlain. I could do without Grace Jones, but Wilt Chamberlain as Bombato was awesome. They became friends off of this one, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Little known fact about Conan the Destroyer. Um, it's it's so funny how just Conan comes out now. It's so used to saying Conan, but Conan the Destroyer. Um, at the very end, when the god, you know, when he has to pull the horn out of the, you know, the, the statue comes to life and it's the god and everything, they're battling that. Remember that? Yes. Mm-hmm. You guys know where I'm going with this? No, no. The guy inside the costume was Andre the Giant. What? Yep. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> That's and that wrong. iconic picture of uh, Wilt Chamberlain and Arnold uh, and and Andre the Giant holding up Arnold Schwarzenegger like a little kid is was taken on the back set of the, of the movie Conan the Destroyer. Huh. Uh, another neat little nod here is uh, Tothamon, the uh, the guy whose castle is kind of a, a wizard in this. Yeah. He's played by Pat Roach, who uh, played a whole lot of roles in the uh, Indiana Jones movies. I didn't Ro- realize that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pat Roach is the... the guy that, that got chopped up by the airplane uh, propellers? Correct. He was also the big uh, guy in the uh, bar scene and that he's the big uh sherpa nepalese guy that gets shot from behind by marion oh really oh yeah yeah wow i knew he played a whole bunch of different roles yeah in there interesting nice all right so then after that he makes a great decision as we talked about earlier in the trivia that decides that he's going to play the machine in the terminator <clears throat> Quite possibly the biggest. I mean, Conan was great. Conan was great. See, this, it just comes out naturally. I know, right? right? This solidified him as an action star, I think. Yeah. This was the movie that made Arnold Schwarzenegger a Hollywood superstar. Which, it's interesting that it didn't happen sooner, because despite all the flaws of uh, Hercules in New York, you could see the the spark of that coming. Because if you, uh, when I was watching it and I saw him doing some of the things that he did, some of the fight scenes, even though they were poorly choreographed and obviously, you know, stage combat, you could still kind of see that potential there. Kind of like, you know, the early Dwayne Johnson movies were, you know, before he became the rock that he is now, you know, you can kind of see where somebody in Hollywood would be like, oh, yeah, there's a good idea. Yeah, and you could, you could tell there's a strong foundation to work with. Right. Mm-hmm. He's got with the charisma and just. It just oozes like you want to watch what he's doing. So it made sense. And yeah, this definitely was big breakout. I mean, it's one of those things that like going back to pumping iron about him, you can tell when he walks into a room, everybody looks at him and it, yep. it's not just because of his size, because I mean, one of the scenes in pumping iron is him walking into a gym 
full of bodybuilders that are just the same, you know, bodybuilders just like him. Obviously, you know, I mean, you know, not, you know what I'm saying? And every one of them is still looking at him. I mean, yep. even in a room full of guys that, you know, would draw everybody's attention, he's still the one that draws their attention. So yep. he does have, he, de- he definitely has a, a, a vibe, a charisma that, you know, like like you said, I mean, after after the, you know, Conan movies, he was due, he was due to become a star. Well, and you think about how many lines, like Cameron said, I mean, he doesn't really have any lines other than, you know, I'll be back for the most part. And that in and of itself was iconic. And he still stole every scene. Mm-hmm. I actually think I may have watched Terminator 2 before I saw the original. Wow. Hmm. I saw this movie in the theater, too. And, and walking into it not knowing what I was going to be watching was, you know, seeing it for the first time was pretty cool. Was this the one that was the first Arnold movie for you then? No, no, I'd already seen it. Because I, I became an Arnold fan when I first saw Conan the Barbarian in the theater. Because um, my dad knew that I was, that was when I was first starting to get into Dungeons and Dragons. I was 10 and everything. And I'd gotten, you know, a hold of some books from a friend of mine. And, um, and I was getting into, in, into the whole medieval fantasy world type stuff. And so my dad took me to go see this because he knew it was, you know, medieval. And that kind of began my, Love affair, I guess, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Aww. Yeah. So I went to go see The Terminator just because of Arnold. I didn't know anything about it. And look at all the Michael Bean you got. <laughs> and Linda Hamilton, don't, don't forget. Oh, she, yeah. Who could forget? She was awesome in this movie. And boobs. <laughs> and her, got... her poor roommate and and her boyfriend. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. But she got awesomer when she learned how to you know rack a shotgun with one hand. Yeah. We'll get that we'll get to nice. that because that transition for her was amazing. Yeah, no kidding. But yeah, Terminator him is the unstoppable killing machine that just you know not nothing you know he feels no pain. Nothing will stop him. He won't stop. I mean, uh, that, that was such a great scene. script. You know, oh, where that he's pulling the scene. eyeball. Yeah, he's clean. You when you finally see the uh, metal skull underneath him. Yeah, you know how they you know how they did that scene. They it was it was a fake eyeball? head, and the the mirror. What you saw is the mirror in the movie was actually Arnold sitting behind a square cutout and they had a fake head that would that the the exacto knife was going into. Huh. Now I gotta watch it again, damn it. Yep. Not like that's a bad thing, but damn it. Now nice. why did I not put my initials next to that? Holy crap. I was wondering <laughs> that myself. I've seen that multiple times. Anyway. <laughs> Terminator, um definitely definitely in my top top five Arnold movies. Yep. So uh, after that, they, he jumps a little bit back into the swords and sorcery, playing Kalidor. Kalidor yeah. in Play, Red playing Sonia. Playing not Conan, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. I thought Red Sonia was part of that universe, though. It is. Yeah, but there has long been a uh, rights issue. In fact, just the last two days, uh, the Conan the Barbarian board game that was kickstarted uh, shipped to backers. And they have a Red Sonia figure in there that can't be named Red Sonia because the the rights for Red Sonia and Conan are held by two different uh, entities. It's kind of like the Spider Man oh. Marvel X Men thing. Yeah. Hmm. So she's so it's what? Mar- it's Maroon Denise. Right, like Crimson Sarah. I that was know. that was a Huxtable joke. Sonia was the oldest daughter, so Denise is the next oldest. Oh. Wow. That's Come where, on, Hank. That's where that's we've wound up today. Huh? That's a deep cut right there. Yeah. So deep. Just like Charles Manson. <laughs> All right. And then after that, <laughs> Commando. So, yeah, Red Sonia was another, uh, you know, sword and sorcery movie where uh, 
Arnold ran around shirtless and pantless, basically, with a sword and <laughs> chopping everything up. <laughs> That's not a good I'm way coming to with my job. sword. <laughs> I mean, there's so many, you know, so many scenes written just for poses and stretches and chopping and, you know, and, and posing. But does he walk in a circle? <laughs> he didn't need to. He did that earlier in life. I'm out. <laughs> and they're coming up. The next movie is one of my, it, it's one of my just cheesy loves in life. Commando, where he plays Colonel John Matrix. If Matrix were here, he'd laugh too. No one can be told what the Matrix is. <laughs> oh, wrong, man. wrong movie. I know, but this is one of those movies that that goes so far around the bend of being bad that it becomes good again. And I only say that not not because of the plot, not because of just because of the the lack of care with the special effects. And I don't know whether that's a budget thing, <laughs> where you can see the little platforms that bounce up to shoot the guys into the air whenever yes. he throws a grenade. You can only see them if you know to look for them. You no, know you can see them. them. You notice them. You can see them clear as day. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, George Lucas is going to redo it and take them out. But um, (laughs) replace them with flashlights. I I put that's Spielberg. Why do they have such big flashlights in this movie? (laughs) And why are they making people fly in the air? I I put in the notes here that I keep seeing that uh, on the Blu-ray. There's a director's cut that's been released, and I wondered if Pat had seen it because I've heard good things about it. I'm. uh, I don't think I have. I'm not familiar with the director's cut. I wonder what the difference is. I don't know, but uh, it was maybe kind I'm of a big deal. Maybe I've been watching it. the director's cut all along and didn't know. He actually kills Bennett last in the uh, director's cut. <laughs> he had to let out some steam. <laughs> That's funny. He's like, <laughs> he's like, okay, I'll come back for you. He just drops him on the side of the road. <laughs> now, see, this is, this is, I think, one of the first examples of where he started to have the one-liners, though, wasn't it? I mean, even before Terminator 2 happened. Yeah, yeah. This, oh, yeah. This, this was the origination of just the cheesy one-liners and there's so many just stupid quotable things in this movie i this is this is a guilty pleasure unabashedly love how cheesy this movie is for me because i have a buddy of mine um that he and i quote this movie to each other all the time we do all kinds of we went as far as to one time um burn a cd with nothing but the we fight for love song on it (laughs) and listen to it for like you know 48 hours straight once um Kind of just seeing who was going to be the first one to break. I lost that. I finally snapped. I was like, I can't do it. I got, I got to stop it. He's like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> this is also his first collaboration with uh, one of my favorite character actors, Bill Duke. Yes. Who and we're going to see I, again. I had enough of this macho bullshit. <laughs> and it features a young Alyssa Milano. Indeed. Yeah, as his daughter. That's true. Yeah. Hmm. And then you got Ray Don Chong as uh, the love interest, Cindy. We fight for love. Oh Jesus! <laughs> it it really is a it's it's a really a good bad action movie that I mean on a Saturday afternoon got nothing else going on you put that in and it just always hits the spot. I mean, it's he, like he, he jams a giant pipe through a man into a steam pipe, get off some steam. I said that already. I yeah, know it, it's so great though. <laughs> Stick around. And he jams it. <laughs> it's almost like an unintentional parody of the genre. Yeah. It, it it defined the genre in a lot of ways. Well, at least that style. Because after that, and even to this day, I mean, how many actors out there like Bruce Willis or some other ones, you know, wouldn't have the career they did if they didn't have the one-liner to offset the action? Holy he throws, crap. He throws a circular saw like a shuriken and chops off the top half of a man's head. I, I didn't realize this. On the writing staff for Commando is Jeff Loeb. 
Now, if you're a big fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe or just Marvel Comics in general, you know Jeff Lowe. I mean, he is the uh, executive vice president for Marvel Television right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's he's big. Like uh, a lot of our Batman Bat Month a couple of years ago, he was uh, a writer for like Hush, The Long Halloween. Oh, nice. So, so Mike, you haven't seen Commando? I have not seen Commando. What? I it's worth a watch, even though I don't. I can't say I don't like it. I, I just don't go out of my way to see it because it's it's too cheesy. I don't. I don't know if watching it for the very first time now would. Would even be it would, if it would even be good to be honest with you. Holy crap! Jeff Loeb uh, had the original idea for Commando, and originally it was supposed to be a vehicle for Gene Simmons. <laughs> oh jeez! Uh, oh, that would have been a terrible movie. And their second choice was Nick Nolte. Wow! I don't. Oh, I, I'm sorry, but if if Arnold's not the one holding the the quad rocket launcher thing, I, I'm not watching. Ray Don Chong held it. Shut up, Pat. Despite how uh, terrible this movie is in a lot of ways, that weapon was badass. Yeah. But it wasn't really used for the right... I mean, it was only used to open a gate, to turn over an armored car, or and and to turn over a, a, a police squad car. Or not really a squad car, a Mike, paddy wagon. you should watch it. I, I, I think you should take a seat and watch it at some point. When yeah, you have nothing it's else just... To- it's, I mean, you... If you, if you want to just kind of check out for an hour and a half and watch some dumb action and, and laugh at some one-liners, definitely watch Commando. Here, okay, right. here's here's a way to here's a way to sell it. It is it is basically the live action version of a lot of those games on Nintendo like Contra or Ikari Warriors or you know along those lines. It's like the live or action Commando. Well, yeah, yeah I was gonna not. say <laughs> for yeah. Operation Wolf. I didn't like, want to be obvious. Yeah, I was gonna say that that was at, Commando was actually a game of that era. It's it's a it's a one it's a one man versus an army. Yes, huh? And the army has no shot. <laughs> right. If they were if they were led by the uh, action producers of the A team. All right. Well, I will check that out during the break. No, yeah. you won't. So <laughs> you never know. Break. They don't know. All right, so we're going to go to the break, and uh, we're going to come back uh, with 1986 through 1999. Yes, going to be back for that. We figured that was a good place to stop. I'll be back. We'll be back. All right. I want you back. I'm in back. <laughs> no problem. All right, we are back, and we are starting out with year 1986, and the movie Raw Deal, which uh, I know, I think I, no, I marked down, I, no, I didn't see it. Patrick, okay, you, this, Pat's the only one that's seen this This movie one. is, um, he, he plays a mob enforcer who gets uh, basically set up, and they try deal. to kill him off, and, you know, and like the tagline for the movie is, you know, the system tried to, tried to screw him over. Nobody tries to screw him over. Oh, that's that good. Tells you all you need to know about this movie. But that's a I will terrible you, tagline. I will give you one more tidbit about this movie. My favorite line in this movie happens when he's in the kitchen with his wife and she's cooking something and she's all you know yelling at him about something and she takes the the dish of stuff and throws it against the wall while they're arguing and he just looks at her and he just goes, "You shouldn't drink and bake." <laughs> oh man, yeah. what? Are you serious? <laughs> Yep. 
So yeah, that that's all you need to know about Raw Deal. It just no, it's not good. It's right. not worth watching. No. Now we'll move on to Predator, where he plays Major Ellen Dutch Schaefer, which all of us have seen, and I'm going to go with all of us have loved. Oh well, yeah, we did a show we did. on it. Yep, we, we did. did. A show oh yeah, we did, didn't we? Damn. Adrian Brody, remember? <laughs> Excuse me, that's right. Goddamn sexual Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> this but, is another, uh, speaking of Matt Brown and earlier, this is his favorite, uh, one of his favorite movies of all time. Yes. He and this I is, watched it yeah. several times. I'm pretty sure this is my favorite Schwarzenegger flick, as I believe I said the last time we talked about this. Oh, that's a good question. Are we going to do that in the now or, or, or? I think we should break it up for the then and the now. What's your favorite then and what's your favorite now? Oh, man. Is that not okay? Yeah, no, I just I, I haven't even I thought about it. I'm the list real quick to see what was on this list. All right, so this one starts out kind of like uh, Commando, but then things change. Uh, this because <laughs> what I don't know. It starts out. It starts out with an extraction team. Starts out like Commando. I mean, not wrong. I mean, they go through and they just completely demolish the little you know unit that's in that in the one camp. Yeah, and then it and then turns into it turns extraterrestrial. Yeah, it turns into aliens in the jungle. It can tell from dust till dawn on him. I yep. wish I could go back in time and see this without knowing there was a sci-fi element. But they almost kind of spoil it at the beginning by showing you the UFO coming in and you know that's breaking, true. Yeah, breaking through the atmosphere. So yeah, you go I thought back it would have been a better movie <laughs> if they hadn't included that that very first scene and not really done any you know and just you know like you said like look yes. man like it was just going to be another action movie and then suddenly everybody's like what the <laughs> like like yes. they were in from dust till dawn yeah. Now this is All another right. one with that one with that badass uh, minigun. Yeah, and All another painless. another. I mean, another one just full of taglines. Oh yeah, so many good lines. So and once again, I mean, if you want to hear us talk about this for over an hour, you just refer back to the show where we did that. We talk about Arnold and Bill Duke and. All of them, and Carl oh, Weathers, yeah. and everybody. And oh, how much we love that movie. Fucking yep. Carl Weathers, yeah. All right. Now, this is a movie I, w- I wish they would remake, this next one. Running Man? Yeah. It, it's up for a remake, I think. I think I think it would do very well in a remake. You know, I think that it would be cool. I Have you, any of you guys actually read the uh, novella, the yeah. Charles Bachman, yeah. Stephen King? It's yeah. one of the few books I've read by Stephen King. It would, it was. Uh, I read it before it, would, it was revealed that Bachman was his pen name, so I didn't even know I was reading a Stephen King book when I read it. I, I think it would be interesting if they remade The Running Man but made it closer to the book. Yeah, I agree with that. Don't get me wrong. I love good. the movie, but it is che- very cheesy as compared to the book. Yeah, because the book is just just hardcore dystopian violence. Yeah, I mean, I, I still, I mean, one of the scenes that's still in my head in the from the book was when he's uh, talking about walking through the through the uh, cabin of the plane and his, you know, and he's been. This is towards the end of the book, and he's been all fucked up, and like his intestines are hanging out, and they catch on the chin of one of the bodies he's walking past. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is one of those movies where, after having read the book, and since I don't, I didn't read a lot of Stephen King. Um, every time I put it in to watch it, I always want some of those elements to be there, but I don't want it to be without Arnold because, to me, he you know he has been Richards now. And if we're talking about favorite Arnold movies, this, I, I even though I looked through the list and I'm like, there's a lot of great ones here. This one has always been my personal favorite of, I guess, the then. 
I don't know what it is about it. I just love all the elements that they have, and I wish that it would have been a little bit pulled back from the commando style of one-liners, but it's yeah, still just rich the American Gladiator's cheesiness, like, I, I don't mind the direction they went with it, but they did kind of go a little too far. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if they would have pulled it back just a little bit, I think it could have been better than it was. But well, that's it's, why I say it's, it's ripe for a remake. Yeah. I just now, wonder... Here's a question for you. If they remake it... Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnson for Richard Dawson's part? No. Oh, for <laughs> Ben Richards. No. Ben Richards? Drew Carey for Richard Dawson's part. Ooh. Ooh. I like that. Because I remember when, the, when I heard that Richard Dawson was in this. I had already read the novella, but I mean... When, when, when I found out that Richard Dawson cussed, I was... I was <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> That's like that opening, that opening intro to him when he comes out of the car and he, and he, you know, he greets the audience. He's all like, "Yeah," and he's all smiling. The guy, you know, the, the old janitor runs into him and he's all smiles and nice. You're like, "Yep, yeah, this is Richard Dawson." And then they get the elevator. He's like, "If that asshole's still mopping the floor tomorrow," I was like, "Oh Jesus!" This guy. And he he jumped into it with both feet on that one. I mean, he played yeah, the he villain really, really well. Yeah, he, he even though he was a game show host, he was an, he proved that he was an actor too. Yeah. Well, he did that before he was a game show host too. Right, but I'm just saying a lot of people only think of him as the game show host. Yeah. yeah. He was in Hogan's Heroes. Yeah. Hogan! <laughs> Give like me a hero! Oh, Scooby-Doo. Uh, all right, yeah. so... Jesus Christ! Guess again. <laughs> after that, we've got Red Heat, where he plays across uh, James Belushi. <laughs> yeah, weird casting there. But Favorite he- line from this movie is when, when, his t- when his watch goes off, the alarm goes off, and he's like, what is that? Is it time to feed parakeet? Is that a euphemism? <laughs> that mean jerking off? What? <laughs> All right, this I think is where he he showed that he had some comedy chops because yeah. he really doesn't do anything funny, you know, except for throwing uh, Tony uh, what's his face out a window back in uh, Scavenger Hunt. <laughs> this is where I but mean his, he, his, t- his timing is in this movie is is what he shows off more than anything. Well, yeah, yeah, and I think he's more effective in comedy when he's being the straight man and enhancing how funny everybody else is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He really is, and and to put him across from now, granted, uh, James Belushi is a pale shadow of his brother, but he still is pretty damn funny in this. So I agree with all of that. Yeah, actually, one of my favorite conversations is when they start talking about the handguns. Oh yeah. So I don't think I've seen this since I was a kid, so I don't remember much about it other than. Kind of their interplay, but I don't remember the plot. Uh, Russian guy is um, chasing being down. chased down by Captain Ivan Nanko, and he runs to America and New York specifically, and you know, so he comes to America, chasing him down, and is partnered up with. James oh, Lynch. that's yeah. right. And they they end up you know getting into a battle of chicken in two city buses, like fish out of water, buddy cop kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. they're they're honestly Russian chasing down Russian cop chasing down Russian. Mafia. Mafia, yeah. Okay. So, uh, after that... killed his partner. Right. After that, we find out that he can be really funny in Twins. This is... Yeah, this is when he really, really shows off his comedy chops, obviously. Yeah. They pair him up opposite Danny DeVito, and I think out of his then-comedies, this may be my favorite. Yeah, I gotta agree with you. It's either this or Kindergarten Cop for my favorite. Well, I think uh, this one's directed by Ivan Reitman, so I think that has a lot to do with it because they've got some great direction. So it was Kindergarten Cop, actually. Oh, it was? Oh, yep. okay, cool. Yeah, still like this one. I was just going to say, you really know, it's so high concept, you know everything you need to just from the title and the two leads. Yep. Right. And uh, 
Incidentally, not to uh, uh, get to the now again, but uh, he's currently in production for a movie called Triplets, and it's Arnold, Danny DeVito, and Eddie Murphy. What? Oh, that's amazing. No joke. I'm curious to see how that's going to turn out because wow, that that could that could be gold or or garbage. Exactly. Yeah. There's no middle ground on that. Wow. Uh, but I remember, always bet I remember on black. when this movie was was uh, first like. I'm going pitched, to help. I guess, but or just known to be in filming. My father found out about it, and he told me, you know, knowing that I was an Arnold fan, he's like, "Oh, did you hear about the new Arnold movie?" I said, "No." He said, "Yeah, it's, it's, apparently it's going to be a movie about him and his twin brother." He's, he said, "Who's the most opposite of Arnold that you could think of to play his twin brother?" And I was thinking, I said, uh, "Emo Phillips." Oh, gee. <laughs> and Dad was like. That's a pretty good guess, but no, Danny DeVito is like, oh, that's yeah. <laughs> oh, Arnold. <laughs> I think well, seeing them the the part where they're in the bar and they go to the bathroom and they're doing everything in sync. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or that's a lot of chain. <laughs> this is another one with just a lot of really quotable lines in it. Yeah. Well, I think this is where they found. I mean, not say this, but this they've really gotten on the bandwagon that. He's good at delivering these lines. Yeah, you know. So after at, that, at this point, he's known as a as a Hollywood star. He could carry a movie. His name is going to sell at least you know a hundred million a movie almost. And he's just and he's just having he's enjoying himself and he's stretching his you know his chops and he's doing what he wants to do. Right. I don't know why for me the microwave scene near the beginning is one of the things that just has always stuck in my mind. I like the you know, when he when he gets handed the plate of cookies. I shall enjoy tossing them. <laughs> well, at least he didn't make stop or my mom will shoot. Ooh, yeah. All right, so total recall. <laughs> right. Man, way to kill it, Joel. Uh, so this will be the next of the films that we've already done a show on. Yep, third. Yeah, that's crazy. Three out of the, three out of these so far. We've it's why done. we were dragging our feet so long. Yep, because yeah. we already have a lot of Arnold in the can, but you could never have enough Arnold in your can. Wait, Yikes. I said yeah. that wrong. I don't think you did, because I know you. <laughs> All right. Uh, Total Recall. We talked about it for, actually, that was one of our two-hour shows. Um, I think we There's both another show we did. Yeah. I mean, th- I like fun. this movie, just even even without it being an Arnold movie, it's it's a great movie. I agree. What? Why are we doing an Arnold show? We've done already done, like, 16 of them, apparently. You shut no, up. Because we knew it was so <laughs> fast. <laughs> Too late to turn back now. John Kimball comes up as uh, in Kindergarten Cop in the next uh, two th- or 1990. Detective John Kimball. It's not I, a tumor. What's that, Pat? I said I just watched this today for well, the show because I was like, <clears throat> I mean, I've seen all these movies, you know, six times minimum, I guess, each. I mean, three times minimum. So many of them just, you know, so. But this one, you know, this one I've seen a ton. But I was like, I have to watch something to prepare for the movie you know, or to prepare for the show. So. It was between this and Twins, and went with Kindergarten Cop. You watched Hercules in New York. Yeah, I, I mean, but I'd already watched that one, so I just wanted to watch something today you know, that would be fresh in my mind. Oh. And this movie is still—I hadn't watched it in like over ten years, and it's still damn good. It's—it's it's funny. The the kids are great. I mean, they there's a fine line when you're working with kids where they can be too precocious and annoying, you know, and it makes them just awful. Like if you know. It's, what's that fucking kid's name? Spencer, Spencer Britton. Breslin. Breslin. He's not a kid anymore. He's like thirty. No, he's not anymore. But I'm just saying, like when he was a child actor, you know, that's the kind of child actor I 
can't stand, you know, which like you just the try human head hard, you know, eight pounds. adorable and all that kind of crap, you know, it's like, but these kids in this movie are like genuinely cute and adorable. The only ones that stick out a little bit, don't seem natural are the ones that actually have to really act like the lead kid, you know, Dominic. I mean, he's a little bit stiff in some of his delivery. He's still, you know, still not bad. He's passable. Well, uh, he was a movie, pair of twins, wasn't he? Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He, um, there were two sets of twins in the movies or in this movie. One of them was on screen as twins, and the other one was yet yeah, Dominic and whoever you know the two kids that played Dominic. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I kind of I, I've warmed to this movie over the years, but I disliked it mainly because I found the kids so irritating, which I, I found interesting. That was something you said that the they didn't go too far in that direction because that was actually the biggest mark against it for me for years. Hmm. Yeah, because I, I mean, I'm usually pretty sensitive to that, and I didn't think that was the case at all in this movie. I'm a cop, you idiot. You know, there's a great soundboard for this one. Yeah. Out there. This is a lot of good lines. I, I remember enjoying it and, and thinking it was a nice change of pace for him from, you know, aside from twins, but, you know, after seeing a lot of his action movies and then watching this, it was like, oh, okay, you know, and, uh, I haven't seen it in a long time and I've been tempted. We've talked about doing that show with the kindergarten cop too. That was just made with Dolph Lundgren, and uh, I guess we don't have to do that now. So I can go ahead and watch Kindergarten Top Cop 2. Yay! A little bit of trivia on this one. I always find it interesting when they do this. Uh, once again, this is one where uh, Schwarzenegger was not the first choice. The uh, lead was offered to Bill Murray, Patrick Swayze, and Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito? What? Yep. Bill Murray? Yeah, I mean, they're going that's a very... Like, I can see Bill Murray, that's kind of like a bad Santa-type vibe they would probably go with. You yeah. know, I bet with the with the uh, Danny DeVito one, that was like, yeah, let's get that guy from that Twins movie, and some, some intern went, oh, Danny DeVito. Right there. All right, we <laughs> yeah. need somebody's funny, okay. Like, one of the movies has he, been, you know, has he started with people, and let's get this co-stars. <laughs> nice. So after like, they'll do. Belushi, they're like, <laughs> immediately, <laughs> no. I would watch that. Carl Weathers in. I'd watch that. Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> Carl, Carl Weathers in Twins. <laughs> Bill Duke in Kindergarten Cop. That's what I said already. Yeah. Did you? Damn it, I missed it. <laughs> you would have liked oh. it. It was funny then. Yeah. <laughs> so, it was funnier when I said it. Uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day, 1991. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Terminator 2, you said Judgment Day. Judgment yes. Day. This is where he jumps full into the Terminator role. And I think, again, one more of those he you know he he's done some comedies goes back to the action flick and this time comes around as you know stays as the hero in this one well, yeah they, they um they flip the script on it and make the, the robot the hero and it's something that actually was supposed to be a twist that was unknown to the public and it was ruined in the trailers and um james cameron actually got into a huge uh argument with with the studio about that because the way that the trailer was cut ruined ruined the surprise well it's tradition that's what happened with the last one too yep and he's like screw it i'm making giant blue smurf movies from now on (laughs) terminator 2 what do you think i mean this film is pretty close to perfect as far as i'm concerned yeah and I, i find it one of the interesting facts about this movie is Linda Hamilton didn't get cut for this movie. They had to write that into the movie because she came back for the for, for the uh, for the role, and they're like, "Holy crap! Look at you!" <laughs> <laughs> and 
And she's like, yeah, I've gotten into fitness. They're like, well, we're going to have to rewrite your role a little bit. Fitness in my mouth. Wait, wasn't she married Ah. to James Cameron? Hmm? Wasn't she married to James Cameron? Was she? I thought so. Wouldn't he have noticed? Well, I'm I'm sure he would have. I mean, I might be a little bit wrong on that story. They were married 97 to 99. So. And this came out 91. So never mind. Good stuff. Lots of lots of good lines. He had I mean, he had more he, depth and, and emotion even, as a no, Terminator this, 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 than what than this Kyle movie, did. <laughs> Sorry, this movie <laughs> God damn it, Mike! <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm good. I was say, this movie even made Edward Furlong semi tolerable for a bit. Which is a, which is a what's wrong with that? Edward Furlong? Ah, uh, I hate him. Oh, and we're completely forgetting the uh, getting Robert Patrick as. Uh, the T-1000. Oh yeah, that was such a good yeah. role. I've, I've always seen Edward Furlong as the poor man, the very poor man's uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio. Have you seen this boy? Yeah, so I'm on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, background Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, I like the one scene where they're like, hey, "How's Wolfie? Wolfie's fine, dear." Click. Your do- your parents are dead. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Your foster parents are dead. <laughs> You know, I don't think I've seen this more than twice. What? And it, it I, I enjoyed it, but it never, it, I don't know, it never stood out for me like it does for you guys. I remember I seeing this at the uh, Tivoli Theater in Downers Grove. I like that place. Yeah. Uh, after this. And the soundtrack to this movie is, is really good, too. You Guns and Roses. Yeah. The, ori- the first Terminator of the soundtrack was non-existent. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. But yeah, I, th- I agree with Josh. This is this is pretty close to a perfect movie. And in stark contrast, let's move on to the last action hero. Aww. I think this movie gets a lot of unjust hatred. I agree. I do too. I, I don't think hate it's this movie. I don't think it's great by any stretch, but I think it's not as bad as it's. Uh, it's got Art Carney for God's sake. Well, and Charles Dance, F. Murray plus, Abraham, plus the 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 video store sequence. In the beginning or whatever, with all the the mock posters everywhere and stuff, that stuff is gold. I mean, this movie it had a lot of potential, and some of the in jokes were you know could have been really good, but they just weren't scripted that well. And I don't I don't really know who directed this. Does anybody have this? Uh, yeah, John McTiernan. John McTiernan. Turning. as in Die Hard, John McTiernan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, he's not exactly. I don't know. I mean. I don't know. I don't know what was wrong with this movie. It could have been better, but it, I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people say it is. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it was a lot of the comedy was trying too hard. Yeah. And I was struggling to even take it seriously, knowing it was supposed to be a parody. It was just like, okay, you're just pushing it too hard, trying too hard to be funny. And then the animated cat came on the screen. I'm like, fuck it, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a parody that was trying to be a satire. Yeah. And it, just, it wasn't intelligent enough to be a satire. It should have just stuck strictly with parody. Although it is awesome now knowing Charles Dance to look back at him as the villain. Yeah. I mean, it, at its core, it's a, it's a strong concept. And, it, you know, it, and this is another one that funny enough, could be ripe for a remake because, I mean, with the right person behind it, like, I mean, if you get a Kevin Smith to write, you know, to write this, I think it could be really good. Somebody that actually appreciates what he's lampooning. Yeah, and it had its moments. There there were, like, when the kid realizes he's the wacky sidekicks and not the action hero. Yeah. 
that made me laugh still makes me smile today. This oh, yeah, when, as much when as Arnold, when, when Arnold starts getting hurt. Yeah. And when Jack Slater starts taking damage and he's like, what's going on? <laughs> like, why did that hurt? Usually I could punch something and it never bothers me. Yeah, I just uh, a lot. I don't know. I, I I don't like it, even though I've seen it two or three times. I keep trying to give it another chance, hoping I'll like it more. And part mm-hmm. of the problem was the kid lead was not that good. Yeah, right. I mean, it could have been better. There was there were some poor choices made, but it's still. I mean, I don't know. It's still got some charm to it. In it's my it's corny fun, and it, I mean, yeah. it's not a bad movie for a kid to watch. I mean, they'll they'll appreciate it. Yeah. So after that, he has a uh, plays himself in Dave, which all of us have seen. He had a, a cameo type cameo. Thing. Then he plays. Yeah, it's a real bit part and <clears throat> a very good movie. Yeah, it actually yeah. is. Yeah. Um. After that, he's got. Hey, there's your there's there's your Sigourney Weaver Arnold movie, Dave. Oh yeah. No. Oh. Wasn't very good if you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not not action packed. No. Despite having Ving Rhames in it as well. <laughs> yep. Is the alternate universe. Reality or um, action movie. Yep. So then after that, we have 1994's True Lies, where he plays Harry Tasker and Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> mm. oh, yeah, I, this is one I, I probably the one I've seen most recently, just a couple days ago. Mm. I love this film. It's this is, gr- it's so much fun. Have you killed anyone? Yeah, but they were all bad. <laughs> <laughs> it even makes Tom Arnold watchable. Yes, that was yeah. one of the, the, the things Tom that I appreciated the most the first time I saw this movie was like I was like I was like oh my god they made Tom Arnold funny. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's also good. this got some great lines in there too. They call him the Sand Snake. Yeah. Why do you why, call him that? Probably because it sounds scary. <laughs> Gentlemen, you're not exactly blowing my skirt up here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's got great action. Uh, the bathroom fight scene. Yes. You know, through the mall. That's a great scene. It's got Jamie Lee Curtis doing that dance. Young Aliza Dushku. Dushku. Yeah, as the daughter and Tia Carrera. Mm. And an airplane. And Bill Paxton. Oh, Bill Paxton is great. Yes, he's really good at it. Yeah. A horse in an elevator. (laughs) (laughs) No, this one. Yeah, that whole scene when they're they're fake interrogating him. And he's like, would a real spy pee his pants? <laughs> this is uh, one of the two sh- uh, movies on this list that I saw multiple times in the theater. Really? Yeah, same here. Well, this it, movie is a uh, an exercise in excess. Well, and I think it's also, to us, it's one of those, wouldn't it be cool if I was a spy? Oh, yeah, that would be awesome if that was me. Because you got the guy who's living, you know, living the double life and Jamie Lee Curtis and... <laughs> She's. I give her a lot of credit for this movie. She. I wasn't expecting it to. What well, first time I saw it, wasn't expecting her to be as good as she was. But as it went on, <laughs> your contact's name is Boris. Your code name will be Natasha. No, Doris. <laughs> <laughs> I. I think I've seen this once. What? Yeah. I. I recommend watching it again because it. It. It, it may be a lot of excess, but it's so well done, and it's just so. It's such a fun ride of a movie and it just the whole the whole concept is just really good like what if the everyday salesman really was an, a spy and how would his family react when they find out and all that kind of you know what i mean it, right yeah it's very it pushes stuff to the line without going over the top like some of the other films on this list correct i didn't dislike it i just i just for whatever reason i've never revisited it i think if i you enjoyed it, it you would probably appreciate it 
I definitely but, enjoyed it. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's like one of those. You know, you need to go out. You have to go out and watch it again. But I think you would appreciate it more if you saw it again. All right. So after this, Junior, Junior I they they tried to reclaim the magic of twins, but the problem is, I mean, it, I don't know. You you can't have lines where Arnold is you know talking about his sore nipples. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, but they just don't work. It's, it's, but well. it's not. I mean, it's it's. I don't know. I n- I've never seen this. I really have no desire to see this. It just I saw, caught enough of it on cable to know that uh, it wasn't my thing. Yeah. It was one of those things where they couldn't decide really which direction they wanted to take it. They couldn't decide if they wanted to make it a comedy or a romantic comedy or just a, a buddy comedy or whatever. So they just kind of threw a whole bunch of stuff into the script and just were like, whatever, to go with all this. I mean, if you really if you want to see a better version of Junior, go see Rabbit Test with Billy Crystal. If you want to see a, another version of Junior, then you should watch the episode of the Cosby Show where they have the babies. <laughs> what? Yep, where he gives birth to a hoagie. Yes, I remember. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's and then, and then he rapes it. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Hell, Patrick. <laughs> what? You're on the court now? The hell? And I'm taking you. <sighs> Holy crap! Anyway, it's yeah, it's it's a forget old '90s film. It it it's yeah, yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. So after that, he goes into uh, Terminator 3D Battle Across Time, which is a ride at Disney at MGM Studios. Oh, I guess technically I should have marked that I'd seen this. Okay, was it cool? Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, yeah, I, it was listed as a movie, so I was confused. Well, but this no, is, I actually went on that ride. Yeah, it's all the parts that he played on film mm-hmm. that I got. So. But after that, Eraser, U.S. Marshal John Kruger with the and that rail gun, rail gun that shoots yeah. oh, through yeah. the walls. Yeah, first time I saw that movie, that rail gun blew my mind. This is a movie that, despite it probably not cracking my top three or four of uh, Arnold's films, that I saw three times in the first two days it was released. Are you serious? What? It was one of those weird things where, like, I went to go see it with somebody from the dorms as a matinee, and Pat hadn't seen it yet, so Pat and I went that night. And it was like a Friday. And then I went home, and my dad wanted to go to the movies, and he picked the movie. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, it was just one of those things where I'd already seen it twice on opening night, and my dad wanted to take me to the movies, and this is what he wanted to see. I only saw it once in the theater. I own it, and I like it, but it's not It's not in like his top ten. I mean, isn't this the one with the alligator? Yeah, your luggage. And yeah. Pat, isn't this the one that you have the stand-up for? Or you did? At the house, we had a stand-up for the eraser. We did. <laughs> Whose house were I you in? I had a cowardly lion. No, it, it was. It was. Was it a? Maybe, no, it wasn't a poster. It was a stand-up. Yeah, and I. I, I no, I had. Um, For eraser, I remember because there was a scene with the alligator was on it. Uh, Joel, I don't think that's possible. Yeah, no, because what? this came out in 1996. Shut up! Don't <laughs> don't, don't don't ruin my fun here. No, it, yeah, it was entirely possible. Because I didn't move out until '97. I did not. I, I didn't have a stand-up cardboard stand-up for this movie. Maybe why it was just a dude do I remember this corner. being in the downstairs apartment? Did Matt have it? Maybe. It might have been Matt's. Well, as enthralling as this conversation is, <laughs> yeah, that, uh, great radio. Yeah, Eraser got a great cast. It's got Arnold Schwarzenegger, James Caan, James Coburn, and then Vanessa Williams. 
I actually liked her in this quite a yeah, bit. She really? She's attractive. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't really impressed. I, I was impressed that it said she was attractive. Lot, so. yeah. All right, and then after that, he decides to do a holiday film with Jingle All the Way. Playing opposite. Sinbad is his nemesis. Sinbad I mean, and Phil Hartman. I had a negative impression of this film and skipped it for years, and I went back and watched it to give it a chance when it was on cable. And this was one that surprised me, probably because I thought it was so bad for years, and it turned out to be better than I thought it was. Starring a young Anakin Skywalker. Oh, yeah? Jake Lloyd. Oh, I thought you were talking about the plastic action figure. <laughs> Yikes. Wow. That, that I I've never really cared for Jingle all the way. I mean, it's just a a movie that you know he did, and I saw it, and I'm like, okay, I'll probably never watch it again. It's not a bad holiday film. I mean, it's not it's yeah, not it's, great, and I, I I'm not a fan of Sinbad at all. So it kind of throws me whenever I see it, but it's it's fun. I mean, plus I kind of think they kept Sinbad in check for this one. He's not as over the top as he is in a lot of the other stuff. And don't get me wrong, I don't love this, but I liked it so much more than I thought I would because I just thought I was going to hate it. So my expectations were super low. Yeah, makes sense. Now, if I haven't seen it at this point, is it worth? Yes. Yeah, Uh, especially like Christmas time. Right. Yeah, Yeah. watch it for... Save it for Christmas and then put it on at some point, yeah. Okay. And speaking of movies that have snow in them, Batman (laughs) and Robin... Because so this is number five that we've already talked about on the show? Yeah. Didn't he, like, petition to play this role, though, or something? I mean, like... He petitioned to play a role. A, oh, okay, a role. Yeah. Yes. It they wasn't sh- they, the right they, they role. Missed I mean, I can't believe that you have a Batman movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger in it and Bane in it, and Arnold Schwarzenegger is not the one playing Bane. Yeah. Uh, he dodged that bullet. The portrayal of Bane in this movie is... Well, it would have been a lot better if Arnold had done it because they would have paid more attention to it. Well, I'm no, not they sure wouldn't. anything could have saved this film. Well, they would take have out known the whole was... Doctor Freeze angle, put Bane in. Well, Bane wears a Arnold, mask. You know, make it a, a, a worthy Bane since Arnold is playing him. Oh, okay. That's going to help a lot. Then uh, fire all the script writers <laughs> and yeah, fire the, yeah. fire the script writers and, and the set designers and don't let Joel Schumacher um, direct it. Fire the guy. Right. Fire the guy in charge of cinematography and fight. Uh, Basically, leave the title Batman Schwarzenegger in there and get rid of everything else. <laughs> Wait, was this the... Bring Danny DeVito back. Uh... <laughs> was it Bane? I guess. Yeah, Bane was the one that was with uh, Poison Ivy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, such a minor character that he's displaced by Alicia Silverstone on the poster. Which, don't I, I actually like Alicia Silverstone. I do, but, too. Yeah, me, yeah. too. And I didn't totally hate her in this movie. Oh, recast Robin. Let's not forget that. Yeah. Not a Chris O'Donnell fan, huh? No. Oh, Captain, my Captain. (laughs) This is good despite him. (laughs) Last but not least. End of Days. 1999 extra horror film. uh, Directed Peter Hyams. Outland Capricorn 1, 2010. And to, running, the, and the running scared. Um, Robin Tunney. Yeah, Robin Tunney. Thank yeah. You. Oh, he did the Relic also. Cool. It's the Relic is a is a fun movie. Yeah. This is a one that I wanted to get to f- for this show and just didn't. You know what? You should. It's actually pretty good. You know, for the it's, way as it's su- better than it than it was anticipated being. 
Yeah. A lot of people were dogged on it when it was in production. Well, when you think of Schwarzenegger, you don't always think of this type of film. So it seems a little out of character for him, which I think, you know, in, in, in his mind, he probably was thinking he was going to try and broaden his horizon a little more, try some different things. And yeah, it's, I mean, it, I w- had no expectations when I saw it way back when. And I was pleasantly surprised by some re- re- parts of it and other parts I was like, okay, this is exactly what I was expecting. I mean, there was, there's a scene in this movie where, you know, he like does probably the biggest bit of scenery chewing acting he, he did in his whole career up to that point when he has to cry over his, you know, dead wife and son. And it's, it's, it's passable. It's not like laughable. It doesn't completely take you out of the movie that, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is shedding tears on the screen or anything. It doesn't look really awkward or anything. I mean, he, you know, he's but I remember. Tears? Hmm? He's shitting tears? Yeah, shitting tears, Joel. Jesus. Shut your face. <laughs> <laughs> your face, dummy. <laughs> Taking you to court. Well, how do you argue with that? I don't know. I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. <laughs> like, We're talking about shitting tears, Mike. I know. It's just like I drift away for a second reading some stuff about end of days, and I hear, well, he was shitting tears. Like, <laughs> that was in the one of the scenes in the film. I don't remember that in the uh, summary of the plot. Um, <laughs> Wikipedia. But yeah, it, it has a really, you know, it's, it's a diffi- it was a difficult movie to, to write an ending to, I'm sure, because how are you going to like have an ending where you know Arnold beats up the devil? I mean, you can't really... Yeah, so, so they didn't really have a. It was a movie that didn't have really have an ending, so that it just kind of, you know, yeah. left this really ambiguous, you know, quasi-religious Armageddon is held off type ending, and just I don't know. The that was the worst part about the whole movie was was just a really weak ending. But how do you, you know, end a movie where Arnold is supposed to fight and defeat the devil without it looking like you know a Tekken battle or something? Fiddles. <laughs> <laughs> and scene and scene all right so that is 1999 josh hollywood is calling <laughs> oh schwarzenegger and the devil in a fiddle battle i am down the devil went down to austria <laughs> all right so we're ending on end of days 1999 uh next week we're going to pick up with the year 2000 talk more about his movies from the 2000 to now and uh yeah, and then after that, we've got the Pet Show. Yeah, we'll be... Uh, girls. Oh, wait, that's not what? Pet Show. No, pet. That's pet Shop Boys. All right, if you'd yeah. like to talk about any of the films you thought maybe we glossed over, tell us what your favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger film was. You can always give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. Before we get too far into the closing, we got to do a favorites for this. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Uh, mine is actually we, it has been mentioned before in a in one of our shows. Uh, my favorite Arnold movie is True Lies. I don't remember when it came up, but I know I have discussed that before. True Lies, is a solid. Pick. True Lies is my favorite Arnold movie of all time. So I mean, it's definitely going to be the favorite of this half. Well, and I, I made after that question was asked, then the next film that we talked about was my favorite, which is The Running Man. Yeah, for me, it flips back and forth between Predator and Total Recall, but right now I'm I'm calling it t- today. It's Predator. <laughs> hmm. Mike? Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with the villain. <laughs> no, no, you don't. <laughs> no, I Scavenger hunt. Yeah. <laughs> Screw you, Tony Randall. Um, 
<laughs> I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna ha- for the then. I'm gonna have to go with True Lies. Also, it's a good choice. It's a. It's a. It's a. A lot of fun. Great solid movie, and you know it's got best of both worlds. There's enough funny parts in it. There's enough action in it that uh, you know it combined. It's a great great flick. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis stripping oh. scene. Yeah, it's all good. That's a great movie. Mm. <laughs> all right. So next, like I said. <laughs> We, Next week. We all played it in our mind there for a second, I yeah. think. <laughs> in addition to the uh, reaching us by phone, you can shoot us an email once again at 40go14 at gmail.com. Visit us at our home on the web at www.40go14.com or check out our Facebook page, which is another place you can leave us a voicemail. Yeah. So, uh, wait, I got something for this. Hang on. <laughs> Until then, we got more uh, Arnold coming up next said. week. We call it a butchula. Sounds like a horrible monster. Oh, Ron the butchula. Or the worst cereal you've ever eaten. Butchula. Butchula. It's not making it better. (laughs) Godzilla versus butchula. That's a cry of the butchula. <laughs> now I can't do it. Damn it. It's a one-off, apparently. What a, what a shame that you can't repeat that, Jim. <laughs> there we go. I can do that all night. This is the high-quality entertainment people love to hear right here. This <laughs> is... This is the extras that that dozens of people are clamoring for. This is stinger material.